Welcome. This is Ram Forward, a weekly podcast about the Los Angeles Rams. Hosted by two guys in California and Florida, it's LA Rams coast to coast. Hello again, I'm Forrest Kelly, three and a half hours east of the 50-yard line at SoFi Stadium in Southern California. And I'm Mark LZ Rams, 2,200 miles east of the LA Memorial Coliseum in Northeast Florida. Welcome to Ram Forward, horns up, and got a doozy, great uh, trivia question for us today, Mark. Well, this is a tough one for uh, longtime fans back in the St. Louis uh, era. In 1995, the Rams moved from Los Angeles area to St. Louis after five straight losing seasons from 1990 through 1994. They didn't fare much better in 1995, going 7-9. and nine. The bright spot for the team was second-year wide receiver Isaac Bruce, or Reverend Ike as we had come to call him, who had 119 catches for 1,781 yards and 13 touchdowns. Very Cooper Cup-like. The Rams utilized a pair of quarterbacks that year who combined for almost 4,100 yards passing. Name those two quarterbacks. Well, back in the day, the Saints, when they were so bad, they used to have paper bags over their heads with ain'ts painted on the paper bag. And I feel the roles are reversed in their game against the Saints. What do you think about that? Well, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Rams keep falling deeper and deeper into the abyss with their loss in New Orleans on Sunday, fall to 3-7. and seven. Here are my thoughts in no particular order. The Rams led at the half and were competitive until Matthew Stafford went down in the third quarter with what appeared to be another concussion. With the season over, I suggest they put him on IR and give him a month to get healthy. He did look good while in there and had a 127 passer rating. Backup quarterback Bryce Perkins has essentially no passing skills, and the Rams' offense became anemic and only scored two field goals in the second half. Before getting hurt, Stafford was effective, as he made up for the absence of Cooper Cup by spreading the ball around. Chitarius Atwell caught a beautifully thrown bomb for a 62-yard touchdown, but after that he was invisible. McVay's use of Atwell, or lack of use as I should say, this season has been very puzzling. The injuries on the offensive line continued as left tackle Ty Inseki got injured. McVay opted to insert Lunchmeat Evans instead of A.J. Arcuri, and he was terrible as expected. The Rams cannot possibly have lunch meat start Sunday against the Chiefs, so they better get our Curie or newly acquired Zachary Thomas ready as soon as possible. Bryce Perkins is an excellent runner for a quarterback as he ran five times for 39 yards, but he just doesn't have the arm strength for any downfield passes. Maybe with a week of practice with the starters, he'll do a little better this Sunday. McVay opted not to use Daryl Henderson as he had only two carries for nine yards. Then... To everyone's surprise, on Wednesday, they waived him along with outside linebacker Justin Hollins. And people who have been listening to this podcast know that Henderson was my favorite Ram. Now he's my favorite Jaguar. And it's good for Henderson. He was promptly picked up by the Jaguars. The Rams were not going to sign him after 2022 anyway, so they decided to just cut bait and see what Cam Akers and Kyron Williams can do. Cam Akers is apparently out of the doghouse as he had 14 carries for 61 yards and is back to being the number one running back. Rookie running back Kyron Williams continues to impress as he had seven carries for 36 yards. Leonard Floyd and Greg Gaines had two sacks apiece, while Aaron Donald had two tackles for loss. Once again, Raheem Porras played his Charmin D and let Andy Dalton throw for three touchdowns and post a 150 passer rating. 
Can you imagine that? Andy Dalton hosting a 150 passer rating. What kind of defense uh, allows that? A pretty bad one. The Saints used backup quarterback Taysom Hill to run a bunch of quarterback draws, and he gained 52 yards on 10 carries. Once again, the Rams' D forced no turnovers, a common theme all season with the Charmin defense. I was hoping at some point to see some aggressiveness, but Porus's idea of aggressive D is to move the defensive backs from 12 yards off the line of scrimmage to 10 yards off. <laughs> As usual, we saw almost nothing in the way of press coverage, blitzes, or stunts. The Saints got a sack on Stafford on the defensive line stunt. They can be effective if used properly, but Porus rarely calls any. In fact, the stunt the Saints called was so successful that it allowed two Saints defenders to come in almost unabated and hit Stafford, and it was likely that play that got him re-injured. On offense, once again we saw little in the way of pre-snap motion, rollouts, outside runs, or screens. McVay has stopped using Muscaronic as a fullback, another bizarre decision. I maintain that McVay is suffering from mental or psychological inertia, which is a known disorder where people's decision-making is compromised by their inability to make necessary changes. This is not rhetoric or hype. It's actually a, a known medical disorder. McVeigh appears totally lost, and all the camera shots of him on the sideline show him gazing into space with that glazed look in his eyes. He is definitely not the same coach we saw from 2017 to 21. The team has lost four games in a row, and he has no clue how to make us competitive. Not only are we losing, we're not even competitive. This season is over, so I hope McVeigh and Pora start playing the young guys more. The rest of 2022 is just an audition for roster positions in 2023 as the Rams figure where they need to bolster their roster in the draft and in free agency. I've read reports this week that McVeigh is once again considering retirement. He can trade his $32 million a year head coaching job for a $33 million a year broadcasting job. Until he decides, the whole Rams organization will have that cloud over its head. Finally, Jalen Ramsey is not the player he was last year and was burned again for two touchdowns, one on a long pass to Chris Olave. On that play, Taylor Rapp was was slow as usual to add any back-end help. Well, if McVeigh is thinking about retirement, uh, that would open up the door for possibly uh, Sean Payton to come in to play. And I know you're not a big Sean Payton fan. I guess, but you know, I'm not keen on Peyton because of all that Bounty Gate stuff. He, I'd rather that the Rams got a younger guy rather than recycling these same old has-beens. I know what you're saying. He's got a good coaching record, but I just don't like him personally, and that factors into my opinion of him. Yeah, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator. Yes, uh, yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, I don't like him either. So I, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, those guys should be banned from coaching. Let them be broadcasters or coach high school football or whatever, but we don't need guys like that in the NFL. But if the Rams do hire him, I'll, you know, support the team because I like the team no matter whom the coach uh, they hire, no matter whom they hire. So, but I really hope it's somebody else. The trivia hint is we ask you to name the two Ram quarterbacks who combined for nearly 4,100 yards in 1995. One was known mostly for playing for the then Washington Redskins, and the other QB was known mostly for playing with the Atlanta Falcons. Well, the upcoming game against the Chiefs, I would have to say, is featuring one of the top four teams and one of the bottom four teams. Right. I think the four best teams right now are the Chiefs, the Bills, the Vikings and the Eagles as of right now. And the bottom four teams, you probably could consider the Rams in the bottom four, especially given the guys are going to have out on the field this Sunday. 
Now, on Turf Show Times, we were discussing why McVeigh stops doing the things that work. That's the really frustrating part. It's not as if these things don't occur to him. Uh, they do indeed occur to him. He calls them, they work, and then he stops calling them. So I made a list of things that have worked that McStubborn has stopped for no apparent reason. Top of the list, bombs to Chicharius Atwell. They have two long completions on four tries. That's a 50% uh, success ratio. That's a very good ratio when you're throwing the ball 50 or 60 yards down the field. So the question is, why wasn't this tried every single game? As I mentioned before, they stopped using the moose as a fullback. That was a great idea because it gave us lots of options for both runs and pass plays, and it was effective. Rolling the pocket, it gives the quarterback a better look down, failed, and masks our offensive line ineptitude. He just doesn't call very many of them. Same thing with running outside the tackles. It gets the running back out in space and also, again, masks the offensive line ineptitude. Jet sweep, a play that is not very dependent on interior offensive linemen winning one-on-one battles. Traditional screens. We had the several games in a row where he was calling five, six of those every game. Then he stops. That's a great way, perhaps even the best way, to slow down a pass rush and mask the offensive line ineptitude. Misdirection runs. That's another great way to overcome poor offensive blocking because it gets the defense moving in the wrong direction. Pre-snap motion. That's good because it helps keep the defense guessing and sets up desired matchups along the line. And finally, up-tempo. Remember last year? The Rams would come out of the, they'd break the huddle, they'd get up to the line of scrimmage, and they'd hike the ball right away. They would do that, and sometimes they would do that for a whole series. They'd do that five, six, seven plays in a row. I don't think he's tried that at all this year. And that's a great way of, so that the defense, they can't reset. You come up to the line, you call the play, because a lot of times they're sitting there, it takes them seven, eight, nine seconds. The offensive line are pointing around, Stafford's waving to people, and then the defense can sit. If you come right up, you hike the ball, you have a good chance of catching the defense not really ready. They haven't even tried that. So I know we've had an absurd number of injuries on the offensive line, but that should require more creativity, not less creativity. It also doesn't explain why he stops calling plays that work. What the hell happened to this once creative offensive mind? Finally, McVay better get A.J. Arcuri or Zachary Thomas ready to play left tackle because the Chiefs will run defensive line stunts all game and Lunchmeat's head will be on a swivel watching defenders run by him. Chief Defensive Coordinator Steve Spagnuolo was a lousy head coach for the Rams, but you can be sure he'll exploit the weakest part of the Rams' offensive line, which will be lunch meat if he starts. Okay, I'll give my prediction. It doesn't matter who plays quarterback, as we'll have another Pop Warner offense and charming defense. It's getting harder and harder to watch 60 minutes of this mind-numbing tediousness each week. I think Mahomes marches down the field, exploiting the Charmin defense for five scores, and I look for Travis Kelsey to have a big game, finding many of the soft zones in his scheme. Stafford is out, so we'll likely see Perkins start at quarterback with John Wolfel as his backup. Look for a run-heavy offense with a lot of short passes from the Rams. Prediction, Chiefs 31, Rams 14. Well, I'm proud of you, Mark, for giving the Rams uh, 14 points with all of their injuries and things, but you never know. That's why they play the game, and it could, it could be a huge upset, maybe. You know, may, maybe the Rams play better, but I don't see it. I mean, Cup is out. We just got word that Allen Robinson might not play. Um, Brian Allen might not play. Ashawn Robinson is out. I mean, how many guys, you know, first-line guys can you miss and still be competitive? We're, I think we're at the point now where we have so many backups in that it barely qualifies as an NFL team right now. But one last point, if Allen Robinson can't play, that's going to force uh, McVay to use a lot of uh, Chitarius Atwell and a lot of 
Lance McCutcheon simply because they're the only guys available. So I don't think we'll see much of a downfield passing attack, but um, we could see a lot of short passes to Atwell and see what he can do in space. And if you recall in the preseason, if there is such a thing, Perkins' favorite receiver was McCutcheon. That was the highlight of the preseason was Perkins to McCutcheon. And maybe we see that connection again, not on long passes, but maybe he'll throw a few, you know, jump ball type passes and see if McCutcheon can go up and get him. But so you're right. There are no expectations. Hopefully we'll see a bunch of the young guys. They'll give us an idea of what the Rams will have for next year. As we close out the show with a trivia question, the Rams moved from the L.A. area to St. Louis after five straight losing seasons from 1990 to 1994. We asked you that what two quarterbacks combined for almost 4,100 yards passing. The two quarterbacks for the 1995 St. Louis Rams were Super Bowl winner Mark Rippon and Chris Miller. This has been the Ram Forward Podcast. We ask that you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you really like the show, feel free to write a review.